My name is Fraser. My name is Mark. And we are the hosts of the Geekiest Show Alive. To the outside world, we're ordinary geeks. But in the fab international studios, we talk comics and find other geeks just like us. This is Geek of the Week. Welcome to Geek of the Week. This is issue 38 of your weekly geeky comic book show. I'm Mark, your regular host, alongside for the second week running, hello, Zach. Hey, Mark, how you doing? I'm all right. We've had an interesting week. We we didn't quite get enough comic booky chat. That's not a word, booky, but still. We didn't get enough chat last week, so I thought I'd have you back. And we've got some great stuff on the show. We're going to do your traditional pull-up pass. Trade-off is back. And we're also going to do a retro review of Batman because we got so excited about Batman being 30 last week. Are you ready? Um, I am so, so ready. Right, well, let's get on to our first section, which is, well, for let's see, shall we? With the sound of J. Jonah Jameson, you know it is time for the news. Oh, J. Jonah, how I love you. The world needs more J. Jonah Jameson. It's just a good egg, you know. I mean, not all. No, no, he's he's a horrible egg. He's a a rotten egg. The Chip Zadsky version of him? Good egg. Is he? Right. Yeah, he's a good guy. Right, well... We haven't. We're not actually talking about Jonah at all. He he just introduces us. But we definitely could. We that's, could that's because he's brilliant. Yeah. But right, what have I got first? Oh, I've got right. The first thing. This was sent to me by Fraser, um, usual host who is in America. He sent me this because it's the kind of thing he would like, knowing full well it was the kind of thing that I would not. Um, there's a trailer of a Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans, and well, it was very silly, which. I, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure no one is surprised about. What was your opinion on it? Um, I I wasn't sure what to expect from the trailer, but I actually really liked it. I'm I'm quite enthusiastic about it. I um. Do you like both of those shows though? Would you watch Teen Titans Go or Teen Titans? I actually haven't seen any Teen Titans Go. I've only seen Teen Titans, which I think we touched upon last week, but I can't remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We've both slept since then, man. That's right. It's been a week, so um. I've definitely seen the old Teen Titans. I don't think I've seen any. Which Teen one Titans is Go. Go and which one is Teen Titans? Because there's the cutesy, cutesy little ones, and then there's the kind of more slinky ones. Go is the cutesy, tiny little ones, and Teen Titans is the slinky ones. That's right. Yeah, cutesy and slinky. I'm glad I came up with those ways of describing them. But they were right. They're, 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 yeah, I, exactly I stand right. by exactly. them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> multiverse is very fashionable at the moment, and I they... just love a good multiverse, though. Don't See? you? I don't know. I do, obviously, because Spider-Man was stupidly good compared to what I was expecting it to be. Is this a generational thing, though? Are you Crisis on Infinite Earths and I'm Infinite Crisis and you're getting rid of the multiverse and I'm all about bringing it right back? (sighs) I I, I get confused by my crises, (laughs) I'll be honest. I love a good crisis. You're you're all about the DC, though, aren't you? You're much more DC. I I don't think so until I talk to someone else and realise I'm quite enthusiastic about DC. Yeah. Yeah. I always think I'm more of a Marvel guy until this. Yeah, well, we need more DC input, because I'll just sit there and go, eh, DC, most of the time, which probably isn't the neutral 
the neutral way of looking at things that perhaps a comic book show should be. But 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 but, but I'm still going to slag it off <laughs> because it was too silly. It was it was cool, and I like the idea, and I'm sure it will work very very well for fans of that kind of stuff. But I. There's a reason why I haven't watched Teen Titans. There's a reason why I haven't watched Teen Titans Go. Yeah, of course. I I don't want to watch children's comic book shows unless it's the original X-Men. Okay, fair. I I think I personally have quite an attachment to the Teen Titans. I, um, I've i actually been rereading Young Justice at the moment from right. the, the late 90s, and I've... Um, the, the Teen Titans series that um, I think it was Jeff Johns from the mid-thousands is right. something that I really enjoyed um, at the time. So I think I do have an attachment to, you know, Tim Drake and... OK, so as a such. fan of Teen Titans-y kind of stuff, are you hyped? I, I, I'm actually, yeah, more positive than I thought I was going to be. I wasn't sure what to expect from the trailer, but, yeah, I think it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be pretty pretty crazy. And Santa yeah. Claus, of course. For, of course. For reasons, I Why guess. Why not? Um, Santa Claus in July. That's fine. We all make great decisions. I, I once covered Last Christmas in July just to throw people off at a gig, so I'm all about that. Yeah, but you are. But people want your cray cray. Do you like that reference? I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure how to feel about that reference. That's totally thrown me. I'm it's a music reference about a character in a comic book TV series. I thought that was pretty quick. I'm quite pleased with myself. And I really should play. I want your cray cray on this show sometime. Shame I've lined up. Shame I've lined up everything, and I'm not clever enough to sort that out. Maybe next week. But um, yeah, um, I mean DC tend to smash it with their animated stuff. So this is probably going to be great for fans of either or both shows. Yeah, I'm still not going to watch it. Uh, you're okay. Fraser will make you, or I'll make you. Maybe or me and Fraser will make you. Well, I'll have. <laughs> if I have to for the show, You'll I'll have take to one for it, the team. I'll just make. I'll just make Fraser watch lots of horror in in return. I, I think the listeners will want you to review this. Well, I, I do try and go in with an open mind, and I have been pleasantly surprised in the past. So maybe, but it's only a maybe. <laughs> All right, let's move on to something that is my cup of tea. I do like tea as well. Um, we're going to look at the heavily rumoured but not fully confirmed that Sandman is coming to Netflix. Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. This this absolutely has to happen. It's, it's been kind of... There's been, you know, rumours of films and TV shows for so, so long. But mm. I, I think a TV show is the right format because it's such a dense source material. There's just so much Sandman. I, I mean, I would have initially thought that maybe animated would have been the way to go, but I am completely on the opposite side of that now, having seen how well they adapted Preacher. Yeah, I think Preacher and um, Constantine mm -hmm. both kind of show that you could do a more supernatural, yep. weirder kind of vertigo show. Oh, they shouldn't have cancelled Constantine. Constantine was so, so good. It was so good. Like, so good. Just... Just great, and it, it served it kind of because he took so much from Swamp Thing as well mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. actual Constantine. Everything I wanted from that series. D did you just mention Swamp Thing? I did mention Swamp Thing. Do you know what we haven't got in the UK? Swamp Thing. No, we haven't. Um, We've got no news about that. The news is that there's no news, I'm, and I'm stroppy. I was going to bring it up later, um, but there is an advert in one of the comments we read for Polar Pass for Swamp Thing. I know, I saw it. it. Made, I got cross. It made me so sad. I got so <laughs> cross. You got you got. Why did you get sad? I got cross because I'm sad because we know it's already been cancelled. We haven't seen it, uh, and even the promotional stuff, the trailers, everything looks really cool, doesn't and it? It just makes me sad because I want Swamp Thing. I. 
Oh God, am I you? I I, I really like Swamp Thing. Oh, I really like Swamp Thing. Do you know? Really do you know good. what? I need to tweet DC Universe my weekly tweet complaining about us not having Swamp Thing. But we're talking about Sandman. This has to happen, and it's happened nearly happened like two or three times before. So I'm quite anxious about it because yeah. I want it so much. I, I mean, I know the Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, film TV series I can't remember which one it was it was mm. rumoured for a long time and it never happened he was going to direct he was going to play Sandman he was going to do all the things and but but Netflix I, I think that could work I think I mean if Constantine's in it I mean he's in at least one issue of Swamp Thing no well he is in at least one issue of Swamp Thing yeah he's, he's launched also, in Swamp Thing wasn't he's, he's also in one issue of Sandman that's what I mean if, if, if Constantine's uh-huh. in it do we think that, I can't remember the actor's name but look at Matt Ryan there we go. Do you or, think- or Keanu Reeves. I'll take both. Do you know what? I would love Keanu Reeves as... as Keanu-, <laughs> Keanu Reeves as Morpheus. <laughs> that... That's oh, fantastic. That, that is best. I'll take it. Oh, make, make some calls. Move some Keanu around. I'll- oh, everybody loves Keanu. Well, they, they didn't for a while, particularly when he played Constantine. But I quite like the Constantine film. I mean, it's terri- it was okay. It's terrible in many ways, but he has a crucifix crossbow at one point. He does. Let's just think about that for a second. But th- that was the period where Keanu wasn't so cool. That was Keanu's dip. But Keanu is back now. And- He's always been Ted. He's always been cool. It's true. It is true. But Sandman on Netflix, please make it happen. We want this. I, yeah, I can't really... imagine if how anyone would not want this. I'm really optimistic seen... about this. Yeah, I think it's hard to find a comic book fan who likes Sandman who doesn't want to, at least out of curiosity. Mm. I mean, I know... I don't know if I ever sent it to you. There was a um, like fan-made um, film of the, you know, the issue where it's in the diner and Doctor D no? makes everyone. No, I have not seen other. that. Uh, there was like a fan-made uh, film of that, and that's Amazing. really really good. But I'll send you that. That's that's cool. We'll, I'll put it in the Geek of the Week. Yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, it'd be nice to see kind of a high-budget Sandman. We've had adaptation. we've had so much good Vertigo stuff converted. We've yeah, had Sandman. We've had out out out. Well, not not Vertigo, but like adult comic book stuff. Yeah, yeah. Outcast, Walking Dead. We've had the constant threats of Why the Last Man. We have had the constant threats of Why the Last Man. But we've had the Umbrella Academy. All of yeah. these amazing adult titles. None of them are Vertigo that I've just listed, apart from Constantine. You yeah, know. and 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 um, Wes Craven's Swamp Thing film. No. <laughs> and um, so, but I'm just super hyped for it because there's a track record now of adult comics being converted into exceptionally good telly series. Yeah. Want. Ju- just, just want. So there you go. Um, talking about adult stuff, Walking Dead finished? Yeah, apparently so. Like, just randomly on issue 193? I actually saw a tweet on the way here from Chip Zadsky saying that he thinks his new series for Image, uh, Walking Dead 194, is going to be a huge hit. Cheeky, um, cheeky. As far as jokes go, solid. Can't argue with that. <laughs> the thing is, I mean, why didn't they just do it to 200? Because then the compendiums it, would have worked. It's so close, yeah. It's, you, you can see 200 from 193, right? Yeah. It's you'd, you'd, like right there. You'd think they'd have eked out seven more issues. Yeah, I um, I haven't read all of Walking Dead because... I've read the first 150 because I read them in the compendiums. Yeah. I, 50. I've read the first, like, one or two... Com- I, I didn't read them in the compendiums. So I read the first one in a compendium from your library, in fact, I think. The library I work in, yeah. Um, and then I've read a few after that, so I'm... Mm. Yeah, but I, I don't know 
it's, there's a lot of issues and there's a lot of volumes. And, yeah. Um, it's an odd just, oh, it's over. I mean, I know they um, they kind of said a while ago, like Robert Kirkman said that, you know, it was going to come to an end. Yeah. But seems like it just came out of nowhere for a lot of people, I guess. I think if they're telling their story, and I have... I wish, oh, I wish I hadn't, but I have read the spoiler, and the fan theory was completely correct. But I'm not going to say which one it was, obviously. But it was a fan theory that was out there on the internet, and... Um, it was all a dream and Bobby was in the shower? It wasn't that, no. Um, but, but nice 80s reference, I approve. Dallas. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I, 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 they reload. Do you know they relaunched Dallas? Uh, my mother was very enthusiastic. About I'm, I'm it, glad. But... <laughs> I haven't watched it, but I'm not above watching it. Anyway, so <laughs> I like the idea of being able to tell the story and finish the story where they want to. Yeah, but come on, eke it out to 200, so people have got a nice even number of but, collected of, of either comics or compendiums or, or yeah. trades or whatever. I guess in a way, maybe it is that sense of people probably because he announced it was going to end at some point. I guess people probably expected 200 to about a point. Maybe it was intentionally 193 to throw people off yeah. and keep you guessing. And, and I guess the book is about shocks, and it never shied away from 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 killing off popular characters and stuff like that. Yeah. Or indeed the, the telly show, which could w- run way past whatever happens in yeah, the Yeah, you uh, could keep Walking the Dead comic. going as long as you need to. Really. Because it doesn't... If it's making money, they, I would think they would still make it. Because, you know, up until... Well, up until recently, Rick Grimes was in the TV show. But he's gone now. He was in the comic till the very end. Mm. So, you know, we know that the TV show doesn't follow the comics. It's inspired by. Yeah, and as it's, it's got lo- and as it's got older and older, it's got stuff inspired by major storylines. But it's com- kind of gone on its own way anyway. Which is... It- it's a good thing, it sounds, I think, when comic shows and or comic films and the actual source material deviate a bit, it can keep it interesting for, you know, people who are a fan of both. Exactly. Cause... As long as it's done well. And Walking Dead did it well. Preacher did it well. Yeah. We go back to Preacher again. I mean, that entire first season of Preacher where it's just not Preacher and it's all setting up for Preacher. Yeah. So, so good. Because Isn't it? Because it, it feels like it's telling you things you didn't know about Preacher. Yeah. So... Yeah, deviation can be good. So it's sad to see The Walking Dead go, but I'm, I, you know, 193 is a good innings. It's it's a good run, and um, Kirkman's done some other. Interesting, I mean, he did Invincible, and he he's, did. He's doing Outcast, which as well, he also and, ended on his own terms. Yeah, and for someone who's been doing an image title for God, what ten years at least, mm. it's it's impressive to say, okay, this is this is when I want to end it. And have a rest, cool. lad. Just yeah. do Outcast. Have a rest for a bit. Don't launch something new. I'm, I'm all about Robert Kirkman just chilling out yeah, for a bit. If that's his, what he wants... His schedule must have been insane. It, it's it's ridiculous to think that he's done, you know, um, all of this kind of image titles. He's done, what, th- two long-run image titles. Yeah. And then he's also done, you know, Marvel books. He did Marvel Zombies. He did... He did. Um, jo- well, at Ant-Man, the same time as he was still writing um, Walking Dead, they employed him because he'd written, he'd yeah, written The Walking Dead. Yeah, with Zombies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see where he's going to go from The Walking Dead. He's he's become so established as the zombie guy and the Walking Dead guy that maybe we'll see some really interesting different things from him now. I don't Outcast's know. It's, brilliant. I, Outcast has been really cool, yeah. I, I really like Outcast. No, it's, it's still horror. Yeah, the guy is an obviously talented way. horror writer. Yeah. But um, he doesn't need to be the zombie guy. Yeah, he's he can got do whatever he wants. He can. I mean, he's definitely established himself at this point as he can do whatever he wants and people are going to give it a go. Yeah, I think um, 
I think whatever he pitches to whoever, they'd be a fool not to go, yes, you're Robert Kirkman. Yeah, of course. It's like, there's certain writers that it's like, whatever you want, we'll yeah. give it a go. And I think Robert Kirkman is one of those by now. Yeah, and you know, they, they don't let people down because as soon as you start letting people down, they might say no. Yeah, of course. So, more Robert Kirkman, but have a rest first, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Have a chill. T- take a few months. Spend some time with your family. Whatever it is you want, I mean. Spend some time with your fam and your dog and your cat and... Whatever, Whatever. pets you might have. Yeah, yeah. Your lizard, if you've got one. He strikes me as a lizard, man. I want a lizard. And a naked cat. <laughs> but that's a conversation for the pub, not for the show. We'll tweet him about what animals he's got, yeah. We should ask him. I'm sure he'd, tell, I'm sure he'd answer us. I'm sure he'd just be confused, but eh. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Marvel Cinematic stuff, because there are two big items of news from Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the first one, this information was given to me by Ollie Spring, a former guest host on the show, because I don't have three and a half hours, frankly, to watch Endgame for the fourth time at the cinema. We're both going to go and watch Endgame again, and we both know it. And there's a reason for that, right? Because we both want to see Endgame again. And <laughs> No, it's actually because they've, they've, they've put like some extra stuff as the, at the end. And that's, we talked about it, being, about it coming yep. and the idea that it's, gonna, it's to try and defeat Avatar, which I'm all in favour of. And I think, to be honest with you, it probably will get enough idiots like you and me I into mean, the cinema. It, it helps that I don't really like Avatar. So. Yeah. I mean, that's a good enough incentive for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. But the um, I'm going to go through what they've got, as, and it's not spoilery, but it's just a list of stuff that you can see by going to see Endgame, as of now, really. Um, there is a Stanley tribute, like a little um, Stanley tribute, which will probably end up being like a DVD extra when it's released on DVD. Mm-hmm. There is a scene that was cut, but it is quite raw, so it's not... The CGI isn't as what you would expect, but you can still see what the scene was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has a little intro from the directors. There is a very small post credit scene, which is properly done, but it's, it's, it's very, very small. And the Spidey trailer. Yeah, uh, I mean, which we'd already got at the end of Endgame after a while, but, yeah, but those four things are now at the end of any cinema that shows Endgame, and at the moment. So if you are interested in a little bit of extra Marvel Cinematic Universe, get yourself watching Endgame because do you, do you think it's enough to go and watch it? I I've only seen Endgame once. And okay, <laughs> so I'm already eager to see it again. Uh, fair um, enough. And I, I guess for people like me who've only seen it the ones, it's probably enough of an incentive. Um, I mean, mm. I know you've seen it three times. Yeah, not as many <laughs> as former guest host Ollie Spring, who I think is on number was on number seven when he went to see yeah, the I mean, extra bits. The, the only Marvel film I've seen that many times was Guardians Two, um, and that probably says a lot about me as a person. Guardians Two is a great film, and I cried every time. Full. <laughs> It is Yondu sad. dies, oh, and, right. and the raccoon's sorry about the batteries he stole. And all right, that, that's just a heartbreaking combo. I've discussed this. Only Rocket can make me cry. He's, it was he's his grief. Best. It was his grief at the end of in at the end of Infinity War that got me. Rocket's yeah. the best. Oh, his grief at losing Groot. I was just like, I am broken forever because because of Rocket's grief. Whereas, you know, some people will cry at, like, someone looking a bit sad. <laughs> this is true. And f- for me, it's just about blue people dying and raccoons, all right? Clearly. I mean, if that's my level, I'm cool with that. I- that's my truth. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, I-, I-, I think 
there's enough people out there that are into Marvel films enough to go to the cinema to watch three and a half hours of film just to see that little extra ten minutes worth of stuff that will be the DVD extras in yeah, a few months' time. There's, I mean, there's enough things that I, I want to see. I mean, America's Ass. What's that? It's a joke that's made by Scott Lang. Oh, OK. <laughs> oh, so... It, oh, yes. Yeah, it's good enough for me. I was like, I thought, is, is this an extra scene I wasn't aware of? And is it is it is it a little bit blue? <laughs> there's, certain, there's certain jokes there. I've, I've had conversations with people where they're like... The, the the thing that got to me most and the, the line I like the most was you know Avengers Assemble I'm like no it's it, it's Sam Wilson with the Saints cap on your left before they all emerge and Scott Lang talking about America's ass and those are the two things for me that to be fair America's <laughs> ass was was pleasant so maybe it's worth going to the end game just for one more America's bottom it's supposed to be family friendly is, is is that is that rude we're in England I think that's family friendly yeah I, it's a donkey we're, we're, we'll make we're, we're talking about America's donkey that's what we're talking about that's what I'm told yeah it's a donkey I'm, it's a very attractive donkey I'm, but it's a donkey I'm sorry if I've upset anyone oh for goodness sake I'm not even sure whether that is breaking the rules so apologies if we've broken the rules not apologies if we haven't I, I, I like to know. think this could be a hard-hitting rule breaker of a podcast oh please don't please don't <laughs> right, let's move on. We've got more Marvel Cinematic news. Um, Tuesday launch for Spider-Man, which not not the first one we've seen. How we saw it with Black Panther, did we? Yeah, Black Panther oh, okay. was a Tuesday. Um, what? I just think it's odd, isn't it? Traditionally a Thursday. Off your game, doesn't isn't it? it? Traditionally you know? a Thursday. Will you go two days sooner to see Spider-Man? Apparently, Mark Adams will. Oh yeah, I totally <laughs> did. I was like, it's, wait, is that on Tuesday? Cancel my plans for Tuesday. So I have seen. Spider-Man Far From Home. Have you seen it? Uh, un- unfortunately, I just went for Spanish food instead. I'm, I'm sorry, Mark. I like Spanish food. Well, the, it, I'll recommend a good restaurant here. I don't know if you want me to plug it on the radio. You can or... do. Is it El Rincon? Uh, it's La Bandera, oh, which is uh, just off Deansgate. It's okay. uh, actually opposite a mural of Spider-Man on a window for an art shop. So Brilliant. I, th- I think it's right up your alley. Uh, okay. And it is also in an alley, so... <laughs> <laughs> right, so it's right up an actual alley as well. I think it used to be called El Rincon, which was the one that I was going to recommend. Probably the same place, and they've just rebranded. So. But it's good. I'm sure yeah. it was. But I went to see Spider-Man, and I'm going to give you my full review. No, I'm not. I'm going to give you a very brief, spoiler-free review. And I loved it. It was fantastic. I, I really liked what they did with lots of things. Okay. This this is like such broad stroke statements. It is, but people who have watched it will probably be able to read between the lines. People who haven't. The, the, the attempt is to make people be able to read between the of course, lines, but yeah. people not. And um, one thing I will say is stay for the post-credit scenes. This is, this is my advice to anybody that goes to see Spider-Man Far From Home. Stay for both post-credit scenes. There are two. I'd like to think by this time, you know, everybody stays for the post-credit scenes, right? Yeah, but people might not after Endgame because there was only, like, clink, clink, clink. True. Uh, I think the big question for me is, so Homecoming ends with the Ramones. Right. Any Ramones at the end of... uh... No, but I vaguely remember the song being very good. And in a few weeks, I'm going to be playing some stuff off Spider-Man Far From Home. But again, I'm going to try and avoid it for a little bit because people might not want to know what fantastic songs are on. And there are, there are some 
good tunes. I'm going to go and see it this weekend, and I'm, I'm going to be sad if there's no Ramones. But that, there's some good tunes. I just need Ramones in my life. That's, yeah, there's there's some good tunes. Also, the the Ramones covered the Spider-Man theme, which which has been played on this show. Such a good cover. Though. Not by me. I mean, Fraser's got great taste. <laughs> I, I, you said that last week, and and, and, and I died a bit inside. You, you, you've got great taste too. You like Swamp Thing. Thanks. <laughs> also, every other Vertigo book ever published, as True. far as I've noticed. True. And well, that is your news for this week. If you want to talk to us on social media, we've got our Facebook group. We've also got our Twitter at G- at GOTW Radio. Uh, just search for Geek of the Week on Facebook if you want to talk to us there. Tell us what you think about what's been going on in the news this week. And now it's time for this. <laughs> It's like he's in the studio, but he's not. It's, it's just so real, you know. It's it, 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 it's uncanny. It's a noticeable presence. It is. And every time it just pulls up my heartstrings a little bit that he abandoned me. <laughs> I had to say it once. I've said on every show that he's abandoned me. And I wouldn't want to let our regular listeners down because he did abandon me. And it broke but my heart. But only for a few weeks. Like nine weeks. I thought it was eight, but okay, nine weeks. <laughs> broke my heart. Every week counts. It does. Anyways, pull or pass. It and is. this is the section of the show where we take three of this week's comic books and we have a read and we discuss whether or not we would add them to our pull or whether or not we would pass on that particular title. Or trade or borrow. Ah, uh, you see, we're not allowed to do that. But we'll talk about... Has Fraser cracked down on us already? Or? No, but uh, <laughs> we're still not allowed to do it. I've decided. In, 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 in honour... Of Fraser. But it's um, just... Some people don't know what pull is. Let me explain. Okay. Now I know how Fraser feels like when I, when I bully him. It's... Um, pull, the, the term pull is used in comic book shops for a non-committal subscription service where you tell your local comic book retailer that you would like them to put back certain titles for you so that you can collect them at your leisure. So you don't have to go on a Wednesday and make sure that you grab every title that you want. They'll keep them back for you for a fair few weeks. You can collect them every week, or you can collect them once a month on payday, or you can do it however you like. It's, it, it's casual, but it makes, means that you've got exactly what you want. You're, you've got exactly what comic books you want, and you don't miss an issue. My pull is at Travelling Man, who are the sponsors of this section of the show. Travelling Man have shows in Newcastle, Leeds, York and my home city of Manchester. They are your local... Well, if you're in those cities, they are your local comic book shop and they are brilliant and they're super friendly and they look after your pull and they also want me to tell you that they're going to be at Manchester Comic Con on the 27th and the 28th of July if you want to go and say hello. Mention Geek of the Week, just... You won't get anything, but mention it just because I want you to, and it will make them know that their sponsorship is good. And um, also, they've got a um, special day planned on Small Press Day on the 13th of July, where they're going to be supporting lots of British comic book talent and having a bit of a party kind of thing. And um, I'm going to go because it looks well good. They also have a three for two on uh, sci-fi comics and games because it's the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Do they? They didn't I, tell me that. I only found that out yesterday. Well, that's, that, that's pretty good as well. All of these good things <laughs> from Travelling Man, up to and including sponsoring Geek of the Week. Brilliant. So, 
We have read three books. All of them are issue ones this week, actually. But they tend to be issue ones. But sometimes we will read something that is the start of a significant story, uh, significant new storyline or writer in a in an established book. And the first one, shall we go with the Marvel title? We picked Arrow One, yes. which is well, it's um, it's Marvel's Chinese superhero. It is indeed, and um, she's pretty cool. What did you think of Arrow One? Um. I, I quite liked it overall. Um, it, it was an interesting one because the continuity-obsessed part of me feels mm. like I should have read War of Realms and Agents of Atlas where they introduce her as a character. Yeah, I haven't read either of those things either. Yeah, uh, so there were a few bits where it was like, I, I feel like I need a little bit more of who you are as a character, mm. which obviously I know will have been provided in War of Realms. Um but that's pro again. That's me as an obsessive. I I need continuity at times. Not comic book fans are obsessive. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I guess if you wanted to, you know, point that out. Um, yeah, I. I meant me as well as you, love. Well, yeah, of course, yeah. I um I feel like I did want a little bit of more information. I feel like this was very much a here. This is this is the thing. What one of the things I felt it compared to in my mind in that way is, um, especially when the way she, she talks about uh, flying in it and how you know she dreamt of flying and things like that, mm. reminding me of a lot of Faith as a comic, which which I know you love, which I, I do love. Um, but very much with Faith at the start, it's like there's been this whole Harbinger series beforehand, and you're just getting dropped into, and this is Faith right now. So I feel like it had a similar feel to that in many ways. Yeah, it, it gave flies, you like a little paragraph, flies. but that was it. Yeah, so I feel like that had a similar kind of, some things have happened beforehand, and mm. flying is a big thing now, did, and air is good. Did you feel that that was detriment to the story then? Did you feel like it affected your enjoyment? Um, I don't think it affected my enjoyment. I think it's just something that I noticed was like there is a similarity here of, there's obviously some, uh, well, not not even a lot of continuity, because War of Realms is only this year, a few months ago. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's something that I'm aware of. But I guess that's part of me as a comic book fan is I, I constantly think of, I feel like there's something a little bit before this and I would just like to know that. I mean, I'm, I'm the person who re wanted to read Constantine, so I read all of Swamp Thing. Right, fair enough. <laughs> so... But so yeah, you're right. There's there's not a lot of explanation of her or her origin at all. Um, is, have I missed it, or is she just a mutant, or is she? Um, honestly, I'm not entirely sure. Because I thought she, from what I could read between the lines, she's a mutant, or is that, or is she not? Because it's not um, explicit where she got her powers. It, yeah, it isn't very clear. She's a mutant, or just has elemental air powers. Because um, I mean, she, it could be like. Doctor Strangey magic, I suppose. Yeah, or, or it could be, you know, a genetic mutant type thing. It mm. could be an inhuman thing. There's, True, I, I it guess could be an inhuman thing with Marvel is there's so many choices of... Maybe that's acknowledged in um, Agents of Atlas within yeah. World of Realms, or maybe we'll get that in coming issues. Yeah, or... so maybe people who've actually read that actually know. <laughs> Tweet us. Maybe someone's... Facebook message Maybe me. someone's more informed than us. I, yeah, let's I know. say it. But... Yeah, maybe. But I, 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 I enjoyed it. I did. But the the art didn't quite feel marvelly. Yeah, I it, it was a strange deliberately one for me. so. Um, I this was one of those things where my reactions to it. I, I wanted to kind of see if any, anyone else felt the same as me, and I, I did look on Twitter because I felt this was very like quite manga inspired in art style and which anime. is odd because manga's japanese of course yeah and so i i wanted to kind of see if that was just like an initial thing where i'm like okay that's strange it's... to be fair i don't know what chinese art 
I mean, Comic book art's like, though, so maybe it's quite manga-like. It, it but... could be. I, I saw that there were some people online on Twitter who had said, like, kind of, although they, they liked the art, it was not necessarily in a book that's kind of focused on Shanghai and kind of, this is our thing, this is our book, this is our superhero. It felt like it was a bit of a departure from that and a bit mm. too anime-inspired. Um so I don't know. I, I felt that was a thing for me. I think it was clearly deliberate. Yeah, it, it felt very deliberate. Um, I didn't I know, hate it. I, I liked the art, but I, I don't think that's what I expected from it. I thought it was still going to be quite Marvel, I mm. guess, if that makes that, that makes sense. And what are they going to do when they do crossovers, like with her and, I don't know, inevitably Wolverine? <laughs> or, or whoever, yeah. Spider-Man or oh, it's Nighthawk. Spider-Man. Spider-Man will cross over with anyone. You don't think it's going to be Nighthawk? I mean, I like Nighthawk. I just... <laughs> or, or Night Thrasher. It, it's or... it's going to be Aero and Vance Astro in wow, a, a comic Vance... that only we asked for. Vance Astro. Good grief. He's just a good lad with a lot of different powers, a lot of different abilities. <laughs> but Aero. Aero. Um, quality chocolate bar. Um... You see, that's the thing. I, I was going to mention <laughs> this, right? Aero is a British chocolate bar for all of our international listeners. I don't know whether it's... For our dozens of international listeners. Well, maybe. But I know, I know we've got some. I've looked at the stats on, on Anchor. Does Fraser count now that he's in a different country? Probably. Oh. But no, we, well, I think about <laughs> 30% of our audience is American listeners, and we've got some listeners in Australia as well. That's cool. So, um, yeah, for, for our international listeners, Aero is a bubbly chocolate bar in this country. Which sounds ridiculous, it, but it is It's true. quite tasty. It's not yeah. as good as dairy milk, truth be told. It's not. If, if you have an option between a whisper or an Aero, you're always going to go for the whisper. I think you might cause some fights over that. I might, but... Um, but to be fair, they don't, they don't do mint whisper, whereas you can get a mint aero. That's true. You can or get a orange, caramel aero. I quite like orange aero as well. I quite like aero is what I'm learning right now. Right, chocolate anyway. Chocolate is great. So, yeah, I don't think it, I don't think that aero is an international brand. I think it's only British. And I opened the comic book and the first advert was for M&M's, which made me think of chocolate again. Just a real kick in the face, it was that wasn't like, it? Chocolate, chocolate. And I was like... Take the book seriously. <laughs> this is a coincidence. They haven't put the M&M ad in deliberately to make you lol about chocolate. I, I don't want to start a theme, but I am going to talk about adverts for one of the other books we're going to discuss. Well, yeah, the, so. That's fine. But so, so yes, that, that, that's my silly nitpick. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, moving on from chocolate, I really liked the epic start and the big panels and the. I, I felt that it, it gave us an, a... a um, an element of um, Shanghai being a character to some extent. Yeah. I like... There's um, a lot of books that like the idea of a city being almost like a character in things. Yeah, like so many Marvel books focus on parts of New York City. Like exactly. Daredevil makes Hell's Kitchen this very, like, livable, functioning yeah. part of the story. Um, and I think that was very Marvel. Such. Yeah. A very Marvel thing to do, and I liked that. And um, her attitude, as she described... Uh, as she described her attitude towards being a superhero and a kind of a nudge to uh, a, a nod towards civil war and stuff like that she it was almost like a statement of an old school approach with this comic book as well which i liked i thought sometimes since civil war it all gets a little bit over complex and yeah. the, the, there aren't that many comic books that are as simple and unaffected by storylines 
as perhaps they were in the 60s, you know? Particularly in Marvel, I think a lot of mm. comics do tend to get bogged down with the history of yeah. whichever. Even new characters seem to get locked down in, but this is your universe. Even stuff like Miss Marvel, yep. which got dragged into. But Civil War Two and all, which I've not read. all these events that it's like, but the event is like, but can't she be her own thing? And we just don't need to worry about the bigger events for just a little bit. Mm. Um, which, ironically, she was introduced by a big event. you got to do what you got to do. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it felt like, although War of the Realms was her intro, it... Okay, f- for half of the issue, so I counted 22 pages. Yeah. Are, are, um, I, I don't like... Zulifen? I think I'm. I think that's the pronunciation I'm going to go with. Zulifen? Zalifen? I, I'm not even going to try. Um, so, so her 22 pages are kind of the main bulk of the issue. Yeah. And then Greg Pak b- brought the last 10 pages as a kind of backup. With um, with Wave as a character. Yeah, with a, the, like a, a, the Filipino hero um, who I've forgotten the name of the team she's a part of. Yeah. I f- it definitely has Triumph in the name. It's there we go, Team Triumph. That's, that's probably better than what it actually is. Um, <laughs> so I, I felt like... I forgot my point. <laughs> well, talking. Well, I, I don't like it when I, I'm not a particular fan of a big epic storyline being chopped and then something yeah, tacked onto I, the end. I've never liked that. I feel like the first, and I've whined about that with a lot of pull or yeah, pass books in the um, past. So I feel like the first twenty-two pages, which is the full issue, yeah. Um, for yeah. oh, I suppose it is. Yeah. So oh, the, I can't really whine then. So I. So this is bonus. I guess what why I wanted from this is the first issue is I didn't really need the backup material. I, I liked the Filipino character. I liked mm. Waver's character. I thought it was interesting. I really liked her powers, actually. Yeah, the, the kind of elemental. I mean, that's yeah. something else is we're kind of getting elemental characters. And so are we going to see like a fiery one and a and a and a earthy one? I mean, I'd be into that. And I'd, a heart. I'd be into a kind of go planet. I do love the heart. The heart is the integral. No, um, he's not. He was rubbish. <laughs> Imagine if you had all the you had five rings in front of you: one fire, earth, water, wind, or wuss. Imagine which I, one you'd take. It, this is weird. I I once had a conversation. This is a reference to Captain yeah, Planet for those of you uh, that haven't got it. I once had a conversation with my friend Harry about him being, you know, like an integral part of the group, and you know, he brings us all together. And his response was, "That's like being in Captain Planet and getting told you the heart. You you're worst. You bring everyone together, but your powers don't exist." Right. So so right. Um, the fifth element is either Milijovic kicking or ass. Or some guy with a ring that goes, heart. It's if, just... If you could marry those two concepts together into a hybrid character, oh, I'd be interested. No, because then Milijovic would be less attractive. I mean, that's And in, I'm saying that's that. That's impossible, isn't it? She but is beautiful. I, I don't know if we've mentioned, um, but we both quite like The Fifth Element. Yeah, Fifth Element's a brilliant film. and um, so, But yes, elemental stuff. Elementals, like, Swamp Thing, um, and we're back to Aero. Are they going to, are they going to like, uh, I can't, now, now you've said this, I hadn't even clocked Aero and, yeah. and Wave, two elemental characters. Are they kind of like nudging towards like a book with the four elements as a team? Because I would, I'd, I'd, I think I'd like that. I think the only thing that occurs to me, because I hadn't thought about that until we've somehow landed on it here. Yeah, yeah. The only thing is, we have quite a strong fire element in the Marvel Universe in Johnny Storm. True. And I'm not... True. And I'm not saying no. And Pyro, to some extent. I mean, there's never going to be enough Pyro. No. But, um, you know, maybe you throw Johnny Storm in there and you get a kind of international thing. You know if we go international, they have to have an American. Sandman. 
<laughs> Sandman's quite earthy. Ooh, Sandman Jones. And he's a goodie this week, isn't they'll, he? They'll get together and they'll make glass. And <laughs> He's a goodie this week, isn't he, Sandman? Um, probably. Maybe. I, um... Oh, no, he's a baddie again. Oh, he's a goodie now. Oh, no, he's a baddie again. <laughs> Sorry. That's me being sarcastic about Marvel. I, I've had to fight really hard not to make any ECW jokes just now. No, but, I know. Um, There's a wrestling show on Fab Radio for that. You can tune in every Thursday at 9 o'clock. We'll, we'll message them. They'll make the jokes for us. They will. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd be... Maybe that's the thing. So, so the Greg Park backup story uh, was kind of... I didn't enjoy it, but now I want to see more of yeah, it because I, I want elementally I mean, stuff. For, for me, it's not even that I didn't enjoy it. It's just that I kind of... I would have liked an oversized first issue to kind of really sell Arrow because I, yeah. a lot of people won't have read War of the Realms yet. I, I'm waiting for the collection of that. The trade, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are, so I, I think it would have been nice to see 30 pages of Arrow to really sell the character mm, um, mm. and to really, you know, tell us who she is. Um, the, the back of story wasn't bad. Um Greg Pack is a good writer. I, I, I like his Hulk, and I've liked even more. But I, I think Greg Pack books. <laughs> I think even more than the initial Aero story, it felt like there wasn't enough background for people that were coming straight in. Yeah, and I get that. But, that's what, a, but they got ten pages. What did? What do you expect? Yeah, and I, I guess the thing here is, um, is the kind of series that the more we get, we kind of would we're, we're getting flashes of her origin mixed in with her current storyline mm. so we're going to get those answers it's just a case of waiting for those answers which i understand you know comics so, um I'll, I'll let you go well so i was going to say my initial reading of this it was absolutely a, it it was definitely a, it a, it was definitely a pass i didn't dislike it but it was definitely a pass but this conversation's made me think ooh so is it is this a pull or a pass for you um, I I have really mixed feelings because I, I kind Me of too. want to know more and I feel really positive about this book but I, I don't know if it's a pull for me because I, I'm, I'm so curious it's hard, Mark Yeah, um, same for me this is, why, this is why the absolutes is so difficult There's a lot of things that interest me about it I, um, So one of the things I noticed I don't know if, if you... Uh, I don't know how much attention you paid to these such things, but um, yeah. basically every member of the creative team is Asian. So I thought that was... Uh, That's cool. Yes, I, that has, was, I did know yeah, that. So, which seems really positive for the actual book. So we've got Greg Park, we've got uh, Zhao Life, and we've got Kang, um, other artists and writers involved. Mm. Um, so I, I thought it was interesting to have kind of a predominantly Asian team working on the, the Asian character. And, um, and it gives which, it an authenticity, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and a legitimacy. Which which I think works really well for this kind of book, and it makes it feel like... It feels a lot more honest. Yeah. Like, because I, I know historically there's been kind of... I know, like, when Christopher Priest took over Black Panther in the 90s, he made a big thing out of being um, the first African-American man to write Black Panther and... Yeah, how many years it had been white men writing the black characters? Um, so it is interesting to me that it's like Marvel have have developed this and have gone right. No, it's we're going to be an entirely Asian kind of I think it's for this. I think it's wise. They they have it's, they have kind of white heroed it in the past with characters like yeah. um, Iron Fist, who was a favourite of mine as a kid because I liked martial arts. I didn't really. Yeah. I, w I was far too naive and far too eighties child to understand that. 30 years down the line, that would be a little bit... Yeah, of us. course. Um, 
so I, I feel like it's it's a good strong team. I Greg Pack, like I say, has done all. Mm. Unfortunately, I, I did try and research research a lot of the team involved, and Greg Pack is the only one that is like. I've read loads of your work. And right. A lot of the other creators, it seems like they're quite new to comics, which okay. which is cool as well. It's, it's nice to see new names. Now, I mean, maybe I'm wrong and I just am bad at Google. I mean, that's <laughs> entirely a possibility. I am bad at Google. But um, it, it feels like it's a lot of new names working in Marvel Comics, which is always a good thing from my point of view. I agree. Um, so maybe this is a pull for me because I'm, I'm kind of curious how a lot of new people working on it, working in Marvel will do and mm. where they'll take a character that isn't tethered down to Avengers and New yep. York and it, it will feel like its own independent... It's almost an independent hero working within the realms of Marvel, yeah. which can be a really strong, powerful concept. For me, I think I think it is just a pa- just a pass. But only by the only so so close. For me, my pull has to be books that I cannot wait for the trade. Yeah, of course. And um, if I cannot wait for the trade, then I, I put them on my pull. And I am being more selective since I've basically started doing this show, and my <laughs> pull has become obscene. And which, I am which in- is easily done, yeah. admittedly. And I am interested in this character, and I will read more. But I think for the time being, it's a pass because I've got enough on my pull and I'll catch up by trade. I mean, I love Walking Dead. I've never picked up a comic. I've never picked up a comic of Walking Dead. I've read 150 issues. Where but would I've never... you keep 194 of them? Yeah, exactly. But I've, you know, I, I would, I would still say that Walking Dead is one of my favourite comics. But because I missed the first issue. I, I wouldn't start from issue 20-something. It's the work of a madman. Oh, yeah. Um, so I read those in companions, but it doesn't mean that I like it any less. Equally inconvenient to store, mind, but... Yeah. So, yeah, this this is very close, but it's just, just a pass. But I will read some more Arrow in future, I think. Yeah, I, I think when that first trade comes out, it's, it's going to be... So many people are going to pick it up. And yeah, I, I think, think so. a lot of people are going to be really interested in and that. that. That's not unusual, Single issues aren't where companies make their money anymore. It is the trades. Yeah, tra- trades are a big game. So, the, the, I mean, I know I know f- that um, they don't make any money from 2000 AD. It runs at a loss. But the trades that it generates makes money. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know whether that's the case for Marvel, but um, I think they, they'll at least give it six or 12 issues to see how the first couple yeah. of trades go. I. It was interesting to me because when I was looking at the solicitation for this, it was talking about her being the breakout character of War of Realms, mm-hmm. which is very similar to the way they described Spider-Gwen after Spider-Verse. Which I nearly look called, how popular she is. I nearly called Spider-Geddon then, but Spider-Verse nonetheless. Um, so I guess it's a similar idea of if Marvel do, you know, run with it, run with Arrow the way they did with Spider-Gwen, yeah. this could be a really big, really successful comic. Absolutely. And... It does deserve to be. It's. It feels like a very positive. I'd like to see it. book, and I, I, I kind of want Marvel to push the positive books as much as they and, can. And I'm really glad it wasn't rubbish because yeah. if it was rubbish and I'd sat here whining about it, I think that would have hurt me a little bit because I want representation in Marvel comics yeah. as much as, as much as it should be, and they are doing good work now. So, I, this is so positive. I think we we haven't mentioned it either, but the character design with the kind of see-through trench coat cape thing. That's quite cool. Really, really cool design. It's it, it's all really well designed. Yeah. And even though we're not entirely 100% on the artwork, 
I think the actual character concepts and the designs yeah. here are all really, really cool. And Elemental book with the Elemental team up. I'd like that. I, I think we're all into that. I think I'm in for that. All two of us are into that, and that's the, the majority as far as I'm concerned. That's 100% of the people in this studio. And that's enough for me. Indeed. Should we move on to Lois Lane 1? <laughs> Let's move on to Lois Lane 1. Lois Lane 1 by DC. And um, this is the first of a 12-part maxi-series. So um, if you pull it, it will only be 12 issues. What did you think of Lois Lane 1? Um, <laughs> stop me if you've, heard, if you've heard of this one, but I had mixed feelings about Lois Lane 1. We both had mixed feelings about Aero, and as we chatted, we liked it more. So um, let, 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 let's talk. Let's do that. Mm. Yes. Um, so it's Greg Rooker as the writer. Right. Um, and there's one bit in this book where it feels like Greg Rooker is taking a book about Lois Lane, which I was interested in. I quite like Lois, especially um, the Rebirth Superman run has made Lois quite a interesting character. I think her and John have been kind of an in- John is the Superboy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, have both been quite cool and interesting um which is something i, I i'm not a big superman fan with the exception of i'm not really but there's some good <laughs> superman stuff out there i know it's lois and clark and it's a new adventure to superman and we all know this fact everybody liked oh do you know i was going to say exactly the same <laughs> thing the the, the the art was brilliant but lois didn't look enough like terry hatcher for me I completely agree. That bothered me. That, that's not and in I'm, my notes, but it is in my head. And, and I realised that that was a stupid, stupid reason. It's, it's to a dislike. ludicrous request, but it's also the fact. You can't dislike fantastic art because someone doesn't look like Terry Hatcher. Or can you? This is <laughs> 90s Terry Hatcher as well, when she was hot. Classic Terry Hatcher. Ooh, um, that was a bit catty, wasn't it? Who have you become? I know. Um, so, <laughs> so I wasn't the most interested... I, words are hard. Okay, I wasn't Start the most. Again. I wasn't the most interested initially in Lois Lane because I'm not the most interested in Superman. Yeah. Um, but there isn't very much Superman. Interesting. No. Um, however, Greg Rooker does something, and I'm sure when Fraser talks to you about this, right. as inevitably he will, um, there is a bit in this where, from more or less out of nowhere, they just Greg Rooker just drops the question Renee Montoya in there who becomes the question in 52, 10 years ago. Yeah, I was going to ask that. I had to look this character up. I looked up faceless... Because <laughs> I, I, I wasn't sure if it was Rorschach or not. And so I had to look it up, and I looked up faceless DC The inspiration for Rorschach, nonetheless. Where was he? There you go. But that's why I was confused. It was Rorschach. So I, I had to look it up, and it said the question. I was like... Pretty sure it's the question, not Rorschach. But I did have yeah. to Google that. So, so the characters that became Rorschach and Dr. Manhattan and um, Night Owl were kind of, you know, Blue Beetle and um, the question were originally going to be the inspirations of those characters. Yeah. And eventually Alan, Mr. Moore, to his friends, created his... Um, <laughs> Oh, I'm, his, his, I'm talking nonsense, but his, you know what I'm saying. I do, yes. He, he, so they, he put his own spin on those existing concepts. So yeah. The question, uh, basically the original question dies in 52, whilst kind of training Renee Montoya, who was a uh, cop for Gotham Police Department. Right. So she, she takes his place and becomes the new question, right. which was written by Greg Rooker for 52, and he wrote okay. a kind of subsequent series, a run of detective comics with her and Batwoman, who were... Uh, in a relationship together as well. Right, right. Um, so as much as I wasn't 
overly interested in Lois Lane. As soon as Greg Rooker throws the question in there with Renee Montoya, I'm like, okay, you've got me. Right, fair (laughs) enough. I I wasn't overly invested in Lois Lane, but as soon as you've thrown in this character from when I first started reading DC that I really liked the concepts Mm. of, I'm I'm in. Um, you're much more of a DC fan than me. Is this quite an obscure superhero, or, or should I have heard of them before um, without having to Google them? I think the question's a bit of a weird one. So he had quite a successful run in, I think it was the late 80s, where he's... Uh, so the original question, who was Vic something, right. his name escapes me, is kind of... Do you know all that stuff from Batman about being a ninja and yeah, yeah, yeah. fighting crime and things like that? Very much the question's origin. He's kind of got, you know crazy martial arts skills he's got a mask he wears that obscures his face less um, money though well of course you know everyone's got less money than bruce true um he uses gas to change the color of his hair and clothes so he hides his identity as well as the mask um just kind of old school pulp kind of vigilante in many ways yeah. um, but then in 52 he's he's dying and he kind of passes the torch to renee montoya who's I don't know if she was introduced to the animated series of Batman, and she's mm. um, it's her and man who becomes the Spectre, whose name escapes me. No, I'm not um, help, am I? Anyway, things. Uh, so th- the question is quite an uh, an eighties character who probably before the eighties, but eighties was the big run that I yeah. was aware of. So there's a lot of history with the question. Um, hasn't really been used that much. I know they dabbled with the question in New 52. Mm. Um, so that's, what, nearly 10 years ago now? Yeah, yeah. And then kind of backed off. And we, as far as I know, there hasn't been that many question appearances. Renee Montoya is the question, so the female question, as far as I know, hasn't appeared since kind of the 52, the New 52 universe started right. in, like, 2011. So she's quite obscure, but not that obscure. But also really cool. Yeah, if you like her, I can believe that she's cool. That's right, because Zach has great taste, just Sometimes. like Mark and Fraser. Sometimes. Harsh. I have terrible taste sometimes. You do, but we're still friends. So. I know. <laughs> so, question is good. What did you think of? The, what did you think of the art once we got over? It wasn't Terry Hatcher. Um, um, I, I felt that this was kind of a, a very classic DC style artwork. It felt quite comic booky, but with yeah. quite a realistic, yeah, you know, spin on that. I really um, liked it. Yeah, I liked it. It felt quite quite dark and gritty at times. It felt like it's kind of suited suited Lois a lot more than perhaps because she's doing something a little bit darker than Superman might. Yeah, um, which is something I touched on, and this is obviously quite fresh in my mind. I have been reading Transmetropolitan recently. Well, rereading Transmetropolitan, miraculously. <laughs> miraculously? <laughs> Words are hard, Mark. More accurately. Right. Yes. So well, I, Potentially miraculously. Miraculously as well. Um, so Reading is a miraculous <laughs> thing. So kind of seeing Spy, Spider-Jerusalem in Transmetropolitan as the kind of, you know, the, the best Gonzo reporter who's, you know, will do anything. And kind of seeing Lois in this as kind of the, you know, out there, accusational, hardcore reporter. I, yeah. There, was, there was definitely felt like a similarity there. Um, obviously quite different spider Jerusalem and Transmetropolitan in the mm, future mm. where they don't know what year it is and everything's insane <laughs> and unfortunately very relatable to To be politics. fair, this is comic books. We have no idea what year it is. Lois should be 60 by now, maybe 70 or 80. So maybe that's why she doesn't like Terry Hatcher. Maybe. <laughs> but I, I felt like there was a similarity there with the kind of um, journalist angle and mm. obviously less sci-fi and 
I, I don't have the words for what transmetropolitan is other than... That's because transmetropolitan is a very special thing. It's like beyond definition. Yeah. But um, I felt that there were definitely some kind of similar yeah. vibes there, similar tones. Um, I also noticed the bit with the laptop that says, you know, this machine kills fascists. Yes. Big fan of that. Nice. Um, but yeah, I felt that there was some kind of similar drawing upon transmetropolitan and drawing on that kind of hardcore cool reporter yeah. taking down the big guys i did you, i liked the couple of the couple of pages on her inter, inter interactions with and it was very much clark not superman yeah i liked that because it was their relationship and as humans rather than human and and God. Yeah, and, and and it showed that she was in, you know, a, a proper loving relationship where they understand each other. And I thought that was really, really nicely done. And that was more important to tell in a Lois comic than a Superman comic. So I thought yeah. they judged that really well. They, they do acknowledge that, you know, she's been seen kissing Superman, mm, um, mm. which, yeah, I guess it's interesting because it's... And it makes him look like a cuckold. Yeah, and... It's interesting to play the two angles of, so she's with Clark, but she's also with Superman, and are they the same? Are they different from the outside perspective? They're obviously yeah. different, identical people. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, that's not what the public... Yeah, and I, I guess it's an interesting concept to dig into that we don't really see. It's rare that mm. we see the idea that, you know, she's with Clark, but she's with Superman. Yeah. Or, are they the same? Are they different? Is... I mean... I look quite similar with my glasses off. I don't. I've never. I've always found that really unconvincing. With the um... we've covered things though. You know, he hunches. He he changes his demeanor. He's still he's... hench. He's still hench <laughs> as more hench than any human that isn't on drugs can be. Are you trying to suggest that Clark Kent is still a huge god of a man compared to you know humans? Well, he doesn't shrink when he puts a suit on, does he? He has to. He'll have to buy like extra large shirts and stuff. I've all, that's, but that's something I've always found really unconvincing about Superman. Is I mean, Dean Kane was hot. Dean Kane was hot without his glasses on. It. I, I, I just. Just the facts about Dean Kane here. That's the new podcast. Yeah, I mean, that... you know what I'm getting at. He looked, <laughs> Dean Kane looked like Dean Kane with glasses on. I don't look like Michael Kane when I put my glasses on any more than I take my glasses off and look like a girl. It's like it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. And I've all, that's something that's always irritated me about Superman. And that was not in this book, which is a good thing. Yeah, the, re removing the idea that the secret identity. Mm. Exit because I guess that's, and I like that it poked fun at it as well. I guess that's the reality of Superman, isn't it? That ultimately, anyone who looks closely enough will realise that Clark Kent is Superman. Yeah, it never comes up except Lois Lane or Lex Luthor or anyone who sees both of them quite <laughs> Don't. often. Don't. Um, but yeah, it was interesting that they kind of left that by the wayside to go. It's Lois and Clark. Deal with it. Mm, it was really um, good. I like that. And, and I like Clark Kent. I I feel like those moments where we get Clark Kent, I like Clark more than Superman. Yeah, potentially, yeah. Um, I would agree with that. Which is a hard thing to explain, because it's nonsense, because they're the same. Yeah, exactly. But, but they're different in ways I can't quite articulate. I mean, Adam articulate. and He-Man were kind of very different. And I never questioned that. <laughs> so why am I questioning... One of them had a sword. Well, yeah... Uh, let's move on from here. Is Lois Lane... Have you got anything else to say, or are we going to the pull or pass part um, of the show? 
Oh, I do. I do have Go things then. to say. All right, adverts, right? Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so right. You want um, to talk about adverts? I right. Did. So, in this dark kind of, well, not even dark, just this kind of gritty reporter drama, you know, her, Moody. Her, her Russian friends died and how and why and she's with Clark, but is he Superman and the public don't like it and and then there's a SpongeBob advert. Oh, there's the a huge well. yellow page and i i'm not saying don't have adverts although image manager um <laughs> just saying um but it just felt like tonally there are a lot of adverts in this i've actually i've made notes yeah um but this first one that hits you is like and here's a spongebob advert and it's a bit of a mood killer isn't it it just it breaks the mood. I mm. I get the adverts. I get why adverts are in comics and the places they're inserted is so you don't just ignore them. I get that. I totally get it. But the SpongeBob advert in particular was could such, it not have gone to the back? Yeah, it was such a all right. And here's SpongeBob. And there's other adverts. So there's the Black Hammer Justice League advert, yeah, yeah. which looks so cool, and I'm totally into that. And that's probably going to be a bit gritty and dark around the edges, and that mm. that fits. There's the Swamp Thing advert. Fits. Yeah, for the TV right. show, yeah. Have, have we mentioned that that's not still available in England yet? Oh, do you um, know what? And the one that really got me, there is... So, Young Animal, Gerard Way's imprint, the, you know, kind of Vertigo-esque. Yeah. There's a, there's a new series coming up that his brother, Mikey Way, bassist from My Chemical Romance, is right. going to be writing, which is called, I think it was Collapser, about the, mm. the DJ with anxiety who has powers from a black hole, which cool. just sounds mental good but interesting good. and all these things were distracting but it was just that first here's spongebob i, was like, well, I don't this doesn't fit with the tone no, of the book really you're doesn't. like your standard superman family friendly fair yeah of course stick a spongebob yeah. advert in but why did spongebob want to advertise in lois lane because this is deliberately kind of dark gritty reporter investigator type <laughs> stuff yeah right um, so I, I don't uh, know if, if I don't know if that was something that I just no it was incongruous but it just felt like no it was definitely incongruous uh, it, it doesn't take anything away from the story or the art or the writing which I think were all pretty consistent mm. it, it was just very okay that's that's put a conscious break in here I I could get past all the other adverts and just go yeah you're in keeping with this this was one that made me go. Okay, and now I'm not focusing on Lois Lane. Yeah. Weird. So, yeah. Zach, is yes, it a Mark. pull or is it a pass for you on Lois Lane number one? <laughs> Hard, at, isn't it? At the risk of becoming you. Yeah. Which, obviously, many of my biggest fears. You really um, shouldn't do that. You, you, you'll have a lot less hair. I do have a lot of hair. Um, I, I think this is a pass purely... Because I want the trade. Ooh. Um, that's exactly why I'm passing as well. I, I, I knew it would be. Um, I think the maxi series nature of it, so um, Mr. Miracle was. A, Which was good. A, an amazing series, and I, I read it in singles. And I oh, bought, did you? I, I, I read it, yeah, I read it every month, and every month I'm thinking, this is going to be such a good collection. Yeah. And I think the nature of the maxi series where they tell you it's going to be 12 issues and DC are going to lie to you. They're going to tell you it's going to be two six issue volumes. They're going to change the mind and they're going to make it one 12 issue volume because yeah. that's what DC did with Mr. Miracle. They're going to do yep. with this. Um, I think we're going to get a 12 issue trade of this in 
just over a year's time. Yeah. And it's going to be such a good read. I and mean, you're going to want to read it from start to finish in one sitting. It's going to be an, a great Greg Rooker written. A mystery. Lewis, yeah. Lois Lane. Lewis Lane, then. That's the uh, alternate reality version. Yeah. Um, with Supergirl. That's right. Um, I'd, I'd read that as well. Instantly. I'd give that a whirl. Um, so I think in a year's time, we're going to get a quality Lois Lane trade written by Rooker with this kind of gritty art. Yeah. And it's going to be great. Um, unfortunately for me, yeah, picking it up in singles is just going to frustrate me because I'm going to always be waiting for that next issue, I think. I think I think for me that it was... It, it's, it's the classic DC thing of... That was a, that was good actually. I quite like that, but I'm not that into DC. I'll read it in trade, and I've always been like that with DC. Maybe I need to be a little bit less Marvel image centric, but I've always kind of had that attitude with DC stuff. Doesn't mean it means I do still read some DC, but not in singles. Yeah, I, I can completely understand that, and it, this in particular, um, I think the nature of it, the nature of the kind of um, journalist drama aspect it's gonna read better as a collection than it is in singles mm. Mm. which but we both liked it so yeah. that's an interesting one so it's a, it's a pass but it's a positive pass positive pass <laughs> moving on to sea of stars sea of stars now this was your choice I, I can't even remember what the other one the other title was that i it, potentially suggested we do as our kind of indie it was mark miller's sci-fi book Right. Something, well, something. I'm glad you convinced me because this was absolutely brilliant. You're welcome. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. The, 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 it started with a full-page spread, and I am a sucker for a full-page spread. I love a full-page spread, and it was a very nice full-page spread. And It, it was. was. Oh, that artwork. I mean, I kind of expected the artwork to be good, but that was a, hello, this is my book, look at my indulgent f- full page spread and i knew i was gonna like the book <laughs> the, from the very first page this this was one of my notes actually i think uh so it's stephen green who is the artist um who is kind of you know very comic booky cartoonish at times yeah but really works and um rico renzi i'm gonna go with it's, yeah it uh, was the colorist i think there's it, it's really the well colored really good it's, it gave you a kind of a, a almost like a, a new well, this is our universe. It's slightly yeah. differently coloured. The, the kind vibe, of vibe, and the, that was ace. The more cosmic scenes, there's a lot of purples and a lot of like blues and greens in that, which just really looks good for. Hey, this is space. Yeah, um, and a, a, a full page spread and a fantastic opening line. I was like, I'm gonna like this book, and I wasn't. Yeah. Wrong, and I wasn't wrong. Um, I, I I really liked it as well. Um, <laughs> It's difficult when we both just Isn't like it. It's difficult when we both um, just like it. it. It was one of those that was interesting because it, it's Jason Aaron and it's Dennis Hallam. Uh, so Dennis Hallam, who was previously Dennis Hopeless, um, <laughs> which was his writer name. Which right. Quality name. I'm, I'm sad he's changed it to his human name. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Jason Aaron, who's, you know, War of Realms, yep. Thor, uh, he did some Hulk, he did some Ghost Rider. He's, he's just done a lot of good Marvel. Yeah, yeah. Um, and De- Dennis Hallam, who did, um, so he did Spider-Woman, Jean Grey, a lot of really good Marvel in the last they, few they, years. They've got some chops, is what you're saying. Yeah, and I think that's what intrigued me about this the most, is it's, it's two of the people who've been writing for Marvel in the last few years that have been like, whatever you do, I'm going to give it a go. Mm. And the idea that it's both of them, um, who both seem to be toning down on Marvel, I mean, obviously, Jason Aaron's doing War of Realms, which is massive. But yes. 
no one seems to know what's next for him and Dennis Hallam, hopeless. Dennis Hopeless Hallam, as he is on a lot of books. Den. Den to his buds, I'm Den. sure. Um, so it's interesting to see them writing an indie book where they don't have Marvel saying, yeah. but remember it's Thor. Um, I, I think the freedom of this is like these two guys who are obviously crazy creative and really talented. Yeah. It's like Jason Aaron's Thor has been the best Thor I've ever read by so, so far. Better than Eric Masterson. I, I don't want to offend you, so no, of course not about that. Good. Um, <laughs> uh, that, it's the ongoing joke that will not die. Uh, but I, I think they're both really, really talented writers. I think the artist and colorist we've got here are both really good at what they do as well. I th- yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's it's so interesting to see these two really talented writers from Marvel break away, do something image, something independent and something so sci-fi but in a weird kind of it was it was a fantastic sci-fi it set up its world it gave you a unique look it told a story that was good for one book but gave you the motivation to want more yeah it was just so well done and I didn't actually make many notes because I really loved it and I only tend to make notes when I don't really like something but what I did put was the little finger whale and the monkey thing reminded me of Timon and Pumbaa. I, and I'm totally into that. I hadn't even compared that, but yes. Um, <laughs> Which is not a bad thing. What, what it's I a do... fantastic thing. More <laughs> Timon and Pumbaa. Oh, I can't wait for the Lion King film, but that's for something else. Talking about Sea of Stars. <laughs> what, what I'd noted here is that the uh, monster design, well, like the space alien monster design was... The fish finger whale and the monkey thing. Yeah, all, all very, but you've touched on it, they're all very animal inspired. So he's monkey and he's quite clearly some kind of whale, dolphin, fish finger. Um, <laughs> We've got the two different kind of level. Is it the quark shark that we see we see in the ship? And yes. Then, oh, um, that that was another full page spread, and that was fit. You're either going to love this or hate it. But that bit where the big quark shark type I don't know if it is a quark shark. They don't specify the the giant shark thing bites the ship. The space shark. The space shark, of course. Um, <laughs> um, and all I could think at that moment was, you know, Phantom Menace. Yes. When we're underwater yes. and there's just that bit of... There's, oh, there's yeah, always yeah, a bigger yeah. fish. Yeah, and yeah, I love that line because of how, like, matter-of-fact it is. But in this, it was like, there's always a bigger fish. Until and, you described it as a space shark, it didn't really click with me. But now all I can think of is that scene from Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus where the shark jumps out the water and noms <laughs> the, the, the aeroplane. All only classic films getting dropped today. Mega shark um, versus giant octopus. But, but so the, the kind of animal aliens intrigued me because it was yes, they were really felt, good designs. It felt very rooted in what we know, which mm. the the space monkey in particular, um, space monkeys. One, they I, I they read, weren't actually named. Yeah, were I kept they? flicking through it, checking. They're but definitely they not don't get named. named. So space liked, space monkey and the fish finger shark. I liked that as well. Hello, new band name. That's um, true. I liked that that we don't know these things named. So you have got to come up with monkey thing and fish finger whale or whatever yeah. we're going to call them. Um, Another thing, and, and this was something that says a lot about me, of course. Um, so there's all the exhibits from the museum in the ship. Yes. At the start of the film. And I, I had a flick through that, and I was sure that there was going to be some kind of sci-fi Easter egg there. There wasn't. And, 
and there just wasn't. And I was, you know, I was expecting like, I liked that. There'd be a xenomorph, or there'd be a predator reference, or whatever. And I think that would have been cheap here. Actually. Yeah, and and when I realised there wasn't, it's it was felt very pure, and it's like mm. rather than going for what a lot of comics would have gone, where they go, hey, hey, hey see what we did there? T he he Easter eggs, right? I feel like this not doing that felt very no. This isn't Easter eggs. This no, isn't this jokes. Is our Th- world. This is our world, and we own it. And you know what? Maybe we'll make Easter egg references and little jokes along the along the way. But right now, mm. no. This is our universe, and the yep. museum is just to tell you that there are scary space sharks, and they're going to eat you. Okay, Mark. I know. And I think. And then they do. <laughs> I, I did have a I, I did have a jolly old look through it, and there were some really interesting concepts of things. Just uh, just one picture of. A thing, yeah, and I wonder if later on in the series we're going to encounter yeah. various things that were in the in the museum in the first in so, the first issue. So maybe they are Easter eggs, just not in the way we, yeah. we've come to learn. Maybe it is all Easter eggs. Yeah, Let, let's trademark that. Right, I quite now. like that. Um, it, it feels like maybe it's sowing the seeds for what you're gonna get yeah. rather than what you've already known. Yeah, um, and oh, I, I not got a bad word to say about this book. Have you got anything bad to say about it? Um, no, <laughs> I I hate it, but I I don't have anything bad to say. It's, no, I I feel for me in a post descender. Oh, do you know what? <laughs> I, I, we both love descender, and yeah, I, and I, I knew you'd like this because it's nothing like descender really, but it's everything it's, I need post descender. It's excellent, excellent sci-fi. And that's what Descendant um, was. And I, I, lo- I loved sci-fi comics more than anything, I think. Don't get me wrong, we've got Ascender right now, and I love Ascender so I'm much. i that. But it's not sci-fi, it's very... It's fantasy. It's, it is more fantasy. It, it's vampires, and it's space, and it's... Mm. It's great, but I feel like this is kind of filling the Descender void. Even one issue in, I'm like, I'm all in. I, I think this is good comic. So, Zach, is it a pull or is it a pass for you? It's a pass for me. No, it's a, it's a pull. It's, yeah, it's a pull for me too. It's um, <laughs> no surprises. It's a pull. Yeah, I I, I can't wait for more. Um, I, I'm interested in Space Monkey and the Fish Finger Shark. I I'm, I'm interested in Caden. I'm interested in his dad. I'm interested yep. in. Oh, I like Caden. He's so lovely. I, I, the, the fact that the Fish Finger Shark can't say his name and he's like Caden. Every time it's like I'm into that. Fish I, finger shark, brilliant. Um, I'll, I'll I'll tweet Jason Aaron later. He's gonna love that. Um, he's gonna ignore us. Yes, but he's gonna love it. Um, yeah, it's 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 the pulliest pull for all the longest the good time. Things, yeah, I I really like Sea of Stars. Yeah, and I, I know this is my suggestion, but I can we just say now that I'm always right? And yeah, well done. Thank you. Good stuff. And that is pull or pass <laughs> for this week. We. I've, I've had a couple of weeks where I've passed everything, so I'm glad that was something that was up my tree. So, yeah, that was Pull or Pass for this week. And it's good. It is good. But do you know what else is good? The bad and the ugly. It's trade-off. That, that was still incredibly awful. Oh, do you know what? I'm so proud of myself. Good. <laughs> Oh, bad. Oh, dear. I can't remember how to stop this, and there's 22 seconds left of it. Um, Thankfully, we're already talking over it. We are. 
Oh, it went again. Right, anyway, this is trade-off. This is the part of the show where one of one of us... I, I, I did know how to stop it. Oh. Anyway, it's the part of the show where one of us gets a comic book that has become a trade and recommends it to the other person. And this week we took Zach's recommendation of Pantheon. Talk to us about Pantheon and why you recommended it, Zach. Um, so Pantheon is a book by Hamish Steele. Um, it is a true story of the Egyptian gods. Well, it's, it's a, it's, it certainly tells the story of the Egyptian gods, but of course that, that, that we, there are no longer people who believe in the Egyptian gods. It's, it's seen as fiction. I, I suppose. Don't get um, me started about, let's, let's about not, gods and let's fiction. Let's not open that door. No, um, this is... Right. Very, very quick warning. We are going to do our best. This is a PG show, but this book is smutty. Challenging, shall we say. It is smutty. Um, but that's because the legends that, that, that were the, the it, Egyptian stuff it's is really small, not ours. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, um, yeah. Pantheon is... So, Hamish still wrote Pantheon. He also works on a book called Derendia, which is yes, just been announced for a second volume. Not read it, but I've, it is on oh, my Amazon good. wish list. Um, so, Pantheon is a, a retelling of the Egyptian gods mythology, particularly um, Osiris and Horus and mm-hmm. Seth. Uh, Seth? Seth. Um, sometimes referred to as Seth by Zach. As of just now. It's fine. Uh, why not? Um, so... It's kind of a almost cartoonish retelling of the Egyptian mythology. But strangely accurate to the stories that it interprets as well, because I did look that up. At least as close as it can be. Obviously, a lot gets lost in translation over thousands of years in hieroglyphics, but here here we are. It certainly starts as it means to go on within the first three or four panels, it makes a very, very bawdy and crass, but very, very funny joke about a certain activity that men do on their own. Um, Indeed. Um, I I feel like those first few pages, you're either going to love Pantheon or it's not for you. And it it sets such a clear, hey, here's the tone. It's it's a statement of intent. Um, Yeah, it's... I, I, I've met Hamish still a couple of times, and the first time I met him, he said that this was, you know, like, he he felt, you know, rude writing this, and, like... That's because it was really rude? <laughs> yeah, right? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel like the art suited the story? Because I thought the cartoony and the sexuality were deliberately <laughs> incongruous at some points, yeah. but really got their point across in a lot of ways. I, I feel like they fight against each other. And it's great. Um, but that fighting against each other almost makes it like, hey, it's it's cartoonish, so I can do what I want. Yeah. And and I, I respect that as an approach. It's an approach we see a lot with particularly cartoons on, mm. and different animated series tend yep. to take this approach of, it, it's the cartoons, you can't be offended by this. Um, and, there was... And, um, there was a family tree at the front, and it had, like, different colours for people who were the sons of, the daughters of, and in a relationship with... There's a lot of incest in this book. A lot of incest and a lot of... Wait, are you somehow, like, your own child? Or yeah, and, th- th- that, and it, it highlights the difficulty that there has been in translating these legends down to um to modern day english from hieroglyphics like you said and it's like that's 
kind of fun that he's acknowledged this and highlighted it, but there's still at least something resembling the stories that used to be told thousands and thousands yeah. of years ago, and, and that is something pretty amazing. What's lost in retelling and translation obviously adds to how ridiculous yeah. an already um, exaggerated story is. So uh, all, all mythology gets, you know, more and more pushing the boundaries of what's yeah. even vaguely conceivable. But yeah. I, I think particularly in this case, it, that's so played upon. Um, <laughs> Pantheon's hard to even explain because Pantheon's, of how... It's brilliant, though. It's so out there. But if, if you are under 18, do not read... Well, under 16. Do not read this. Do but not read But also definitely this. read this. Every, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the kind of book that would have gone round my school when we were about 13 or 14. Yeah. And it would have been that hush-hush one that everyone read and it fell open at the rude pages. I mean, when I was reading... When, when, when I was doing... The book that I remember was... Um, <laughs> it was called... Um, it was by Judy Bloom, And what was it called? But uh, it was... It was pretty salacious, and I was very, very young when I read it, and it fell open at the sex scenes. And I could see this being that kind of book that would get passed yeah. around at a school. Doesn't mean we endorse that on this show. No, of course not. No. Well, I, I can't think of anyone who's not going to love Pantheon. It, case in point... Well, that, that says a lot about you and your friends. And, and you. Yeah. <laughs> Who uh, My dad wouldn't like it. My mum wouldn't like it. I can think of at least two people. Only one way to find out, and that's what Christmas is for. Absolutely um, not. My mother is never going to see Pantheon. <laughs> Incidentally, I did buy this book for, two, for a lot of people for Christmas and birthdays. Brilliant. And went down a treat with everyone. I approve. Um, so, so, for a shameless plug, so we discussed this for the last uh, Manchester Comic Book Club book club meeting last... We did. This month. Who runs the Manchester Comic Book Club, um, Zach? You know, it's this guy called Zach. He's, Who is it? He's pretty good at it. Is he, um, is he handsome? I like to think so. Yeah, Although I've, I've been told um, pretty recently that I look like Matthew Perry, and now I oh a little bit. Yeah, uh, it's, it's been a it's been a weird week for me. Yeah, but like Matthew Perry when he was young, not current Matthew <laughs> Perry. I, I guess that's more of a compliment. Uh, I'm not, um, <laughs> I mean, even there was young drug addled. Matthew Perry, though, wasn't there? Young non-drug addled Matthew Perry. That, that you look a bit like that. I mean, I'm normally getting told I look like Miles Teller, so... I don't know who that is. Mr. Fantastic from the recent Fantastic Four film that no, happened. I vaguely remember it. Anywho. Um, but yeah, I, so I run Manchester Comic Book Club, and it, it surprised me that everybody that came to the meeting to discuss Pantheon really liked Pantheon. I, I thought there would be at least one person who was like, no, this wasn't for me, it was too whatever. Bit of a stick in the mud kind of thing. But legitimately pleased and surprised to find that everybody likes Pantheon. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. I was at that meeting. I, I do yeah. enjoy coming to your group. That's right, you do. I do. Do you want to tell us about what we're reading next and the date and stuff like that? Um, so the next meeting is next Tuesday the 9th. And um, shockingly, the book we're discussing... Blah, 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 blah. The next book we're discussing on Tuesday the 9th is Descender by... <laughs> by Jeff Lemire. Who? Who? Um, so I would quickly have a chat with you about Descender, but I've discussed it with Fraser <laughs> and I've discussed it with Ollie Spring very recently, so I don't think this show needs any more Descender. Um, 
what I would say is I like Descender and Me so too. does Mark and yeah. so does everybody. If you've else, read Descender and you want to yeah. chat about it, or if you haven't read Descender and you've always meant to read it and you're going to get a copy in the next few days, come and join us on Tuesday in Retro Bar. Retro Bar, yeah. And if only that was in Three for Two at Travelling Man. Oh, it is. Oh, is it? Yes, it is. Three for two and Travelling Man, Descender, yeah. So get some other books as well. Pop in after you've listened to this show on Saturday. So, yeah, come and join us at 7 in Retro uh, Bar. Yep, 7 Retro Bar, um, Sackville Street. Um, Zackville Street. Sackville Street. Oh. But, yes. Yeah. Uh, we'll Ma- be there. Come and say hello to both Manchester, of us. Northwest, England, UK, Earth, the world, universe, yeah. um, Milky Way. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a pint and we'll have a chat about Descender. And they, it meets regularly and there's a Facebook group. What do people search for? Um, it is Manchester Comic Book Club. Yeah. You, you'll find us. Do you know, Geek of the Week's got a Facebook group as well. It does, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, you need to search for our Geek of the Week. We, we should really, show. you know, promote each other for oh, this. Oh, yeah, shit plugs. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that was trade-off for this week. It's it's quite difficult to do a trade-off when you know you're both going to gush about it. Yeah, we're both quite into Pantheon, so... Mm. Mm. And I want him to do, like, Greek myths or something next. Uh, allegedly... Um, well, a couple of years ago, he said he was going to do a Norse mythology one following Ooh. this. That work, that works too. But then Dead Endia got real successful in America, which is why we've got the sequel to that first. Yeah, but these things happen. Dead Endia is really good as well. I might when we can put that on trade off in future. Let's do that. Yeah. Right. I'm going to play this because I've got nothing better to play for what we're about to talk about. Because I didn't prepare properly. This is our retro review of Batman. Yeah. The the, the, the 1989 Batman that is like 30 years old and we haven't really left enough time in the show to do it properly. But, Zach, tell me what you thought about re-watching Batman, a 30-year-old film that had no right to be anywhere near as good as it is because of its age. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I like Batman. No, is that I, it? No, I um, I actually have some mixed feelings about Batman on the rewatch. I did too, to good, be fair. Good, good. I, I was worried this was going to be me being quite down on it. Um, do you want to go with your criticisms? Or I'm going to go with my good stuff first. Okay. How good was the soundtrack? Oh, my goodness, how um, good was the soundtrack? You know what? There's almost not enough prints in it. The, the, the intro music was moody and brilliant and set the tone for the whole film, and then the soundtrack just got better and better and better. Yeah. And there is a, a, a meme 30 years on. I'm Batman. And that comes from this film. It's just such a solid, bam, this is where we're at. And, and little scenes like that make the film, I think. I think there's problems, um, but I, I think there's a lot of good things. So, And there's this, this, wait till they get a load of me. There's so many so iconic lines. Wait until they get a load of me is... So do you remember the Odeon, like... Years ago, yes, they used to did. give the po- away the postcards. Yes, one of the first postcards I ever got from the Odeon said, "Wait until they get a load of me," and I've ha- I had that on my bedroom wall it's for wonderful. like ten years. It's wonderful. So, so as soon as that's in the film, like I still like that. Um, Michael Goth as Alfred. Oh, how as good! Alfred, as Alfred as well. Um, oh, he was wonderful. He, there's that one scene at the like uh, fundraiser party. Where everything Bruce does, Alfred is right there cleaning up. After, so he like stabs it's a pen, he stabs a penny into a tree, and Alfred's like, "No." Alfred's he, wonderful. He puts a glass down, and the glass is gone. And Michael Goth just nails it. And 
it's almost underutilized, but the scenes but he's in—it's good that he was underutilized. He's just there throughout the film, like, "Come on, Bruce, get a girlfriend for God's sake, get outside of the cave." Just like for ten yeah. minutes, you keep dressing like a bat. This is nuts. And, and, and <laughs> oh, he was wonderful. Do you know who else was wonderful? Michael Keaton. Well, I was going to say Jack Nicholson, actually. Okay, but I mean, <laughs> I feel like. To say that this is one of... I was, I was going to say it's his most, but I don't think it is. It's one of his most iconic roles. And he's Jack Nicholson. What, one of the things that really threw me is there is a bit in the film where he talks about his boss being too old and out of touch. And I'm thinking, you're Jack Nicholson and you've always looked old and balding and you're here, like, calling out the, the guy who's old and you're not, it's like... It's hard to to believe you as a young man. I lo- do you know what I loved? <laughs> I, I, I loved the um, Queen of Oz, uh, Queen of Oz, the um, Wizard of Oz reference. I'm melting yeah. when his face paint came off. Uh, oh, that's great. At any moment where they kind of do the, he's the Joker, so his skin's bleached, but he's wearing skin tone makeup to cover that fact up. It's, it's wonderful. Like, so convoluted as a concept, but it's clever. it really works. It was a really nice take on the Joker. I mean, there's the origin bit... story was odd. It was oh, not... nuts. But there's one bit where he wipes the makeup off with his handkerchief, and obviously then it makes his face white, yeah. which is just so good. It was. Uh, the origin, obviously, we have seen in comics since. But yeah, I th- but... I, I think, think... that. This yeah. is the first Jack Napier we actually get. It, yeah, it was created for Batman, so yeah. you, we've seen in comics. But yes, this was a completely original origin story, and it was okay. It worked. That, I mean, that was one of my criticisms: is that this is a film that doesn't know when to stop doing things. So potentially, yes. You've got Joker origin, Batman origin. You've got Joker's scheme to make everyone laugh themselves to death yeah um, and then you've got the last minute kind of but did i kill your parents and you made me but i made you and it's like that that's one of the things that for me it's like yeah that doesn't need to be in this film because you throw that in in such a third act kind of swerve that it's like yeah it's a I, little bit too heavy but i can cope with it because i felt like this film there the really hadn't been much good before this with superhero films. This was the first ever statement of superhero films can be ace. Yeah. And you've got to think, previous Batmans were campy before this, and my goodness, he was scary. His first appearance... You could yeah. see why you, you could see why the floating down, the, you could see why he was a legendary, scary vigilante to criminals. What, and that's very Tim Burton. One of the things I would say with the kind of campy origins of uh, Adam West, and, mm-hmm. um, that does carry over at times, I think. I think Alfred, um, Jim Gordon, a, lo- a lot of supporting cast, I think are very much cast in keeping with, like, ba- yes. Batman 66 TV show. But he was so dark that... Yeah, it... it, it I think it makes the dark contrast more by the fact that they've gone for a kind of more cartoonish casting for a lot of support in characters, especially mm. um, is it Alex Knox, who's like yes. the... Rep- I think he contrasts so much. It's like, you're a cartoon character, and you must know that. And and the... the but the, the Yes, you're right, but the acting wasn't too bad, too hammy, no. and there was a lot of very good acting in this film. Michael Keaton's fantastic. Jack Nicholson's fantastic. Uh, Cla- not Claudia Schiffer, who's, who's uh, played Kim Vicky Basinger. Bell. Kim Basinger was the, brilliant. My, one of my few complaints was, and I watched this with um, my girlfriend, which 
so she pointed out immediately was that it is a little bit sexist with uh, Kim Basinger and woman who is girlfriend of Jack originally, and they're kind right. of they're not a yes. Big, things just happen to them a lot through this film. It was um, yeah, there were, and the scene where he shoved Vicky Vale were, did not has was something that has not yeah. aged well. It was acceptable in the eighties, as the song <laughs> goes. That is not okay. Yeah. However upset someone is, you do not put your hands on them. Yeah, of course. And that was perfectly acceptable thirty years ago, and and, and pretty normal. You 30, know? thirty years later, it's like yeah, this doesn't age perfectly at times. And I, I, I don't think I'd seen this in about twenty years. Um, I, I've not seen it in about ten years, so yeah. it's a lot of things that I just hadn't even thought about when I last saw it. But there were definitely some part, some elements of it that are now problematic. Yeah, had Joker done that with 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 whoever, that you know he's an evil character. Yeah, but you're supposed to empathise and sympathise with with Bruce Wayne, who is meant to be the good guy. Yeah, and he's a bit he's a bit patronising and a bit too hands on. But we, yeah. but we do have really good scenes with him where he's like when he's trying to confess that he's Batman. And yes. All right, he's a little bit condescending at times, but it, it's kind of in keeping with the character in that scene. Yes. But yeah, some flaws. The Batmobile was so cool. The best. The um, Batmobile was so cool. I, I love that the like armor going onto the car, and then when it comes off, it's just you just flip that footage and you've just shown it as in two different ang- two different versions. So it's like yeah. it's armored, it's unarmored. It wasn't the same. Ignore that. Little things like that. Yeah, I, I quite like those little awkward details. I felt like it held up in a lot of ways, potentially more than I expected it to do so. But there were some glaring stuff that I'm like, eesh, that's 80s. And yeah. there was some glaring stuff, and that, I mean, like, attitude-wise, but there was also... The the Batcave with the TVs and everything's, like, VHS. Like, yeah. this is so 1989. The, yes, and he, the Bruce, Bruce Wayne's manner, fabulous. The Batcave, not so much. It's just a TV screen in a car. But, yeah, yeah. And a, a weirdly massive vault to keep your rubber suit in. Yeah. But, yes, there were some elements that have not aged well and some elements that really have aged as better than they really could do, like the makeup for Joker and the the smile and the bat suit. And there's a lot of stuff that, yeah, you can see why this is considered an absolute classic film. I can go with that, yep. Batman. Yeah, we rushed that. But I, I got—I think I said nearly everything I wanted to say. Um, I think that's most of my points. Mm. I think. So, what did you think about Man? We watched it probably for the first time in twenty years for me, ten years for Zach, and we were pleasantly surprised. Have a watch and talk to us on social media. Tell us what you think too. And that's all we've got time for on Geek of the Week this week. Thank you very much for tuning in. On behalf of Zach, I've been Mark. We've had a fab time. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. Great Scots! It's been almost an hour. What the devil are they doing? Rest assured that I was on the internet within minutes, registering my disgust throughout the world. Thanks for listening to Geek of the Week. Be sure to tune in next week. Same Geek time, same Geek channel. And if you want to follow us on social media, it's at GOTW Radio on Twitter. Search for Geek of the Week Radio Show on Facebook. And to listen again, it's www.mixcloud.com forward slash Geek of the Week Radio Show.
George Clooney is my Batman And I don't need your apology George Clooney is my Batman You can't take that away from me Batman, 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 Batman.